The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everyone, on today's episode we go over the Giants' loss to Washington on Sunday. We ask what can be fixed on the offense. I know we talk about that almost every episode, but kind of what there is to talk about on that side of the ball we try to figure out whether the defense played well for most of the game or if Washington is just not that great on offense and then we end the episode going over a couple trade candidates to see whether or not they make sense to trade with the trade deadline on Tuesday so thank you guys for listening and let's get to it Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are here in the aftermath of a 22-13 New York Giants loss to the Washington Redskins. This mercifully ends the first half of the season for the Giants at 1-7, and and whew. These these games have not been fun. No, they just haven't been. It, the team will give you just enough bright spots to not turn the game off. And other than that, it is just, to borrow a description of Mo Sislak from The Simpsons, pug fugly. These games are getting increasingly tough to watch and that is definitely what happened with Washington here I mean Washington won but I don't think either one of these teams played particularly well I mean I guess we can just jump right in and talk about the Giants offense that was bad again Uh, okay now on to the defense (laughs) this offense was bad again in all the places it has previously been bad If you listen to our preview episode, we were talking about the Washington defensive line has a lot of good players on it. They had not really broken out and taken advantage of those players in the forms of pressures and sacks. And all it took was the Giants offensive line to do that. Washington had 10 quarterback hits. They sacked Eli Manning seven times. And, I mean, that's that's the state of the Giants' offense right now. Yeah, I if you have a defensive front you feel like should be playing better and getting converting a little bit more pressure into sacks, just line them up against the Giants. They'll get you healthy. You know, they have a habit now of making underperforming lines look like the Denver Broncos did in the Super Bowl, the latest one, where they carried the ghost of Peyton Manning to the championship. That is just not good. I It's not all of the sacks have been the fault of the offensive line. There were, particularly the seventh sack, was Anieli Manning just holding the ball for half of forever. But still... So far, they have given up 31 sacks this year, so far in the first eight weeks. The bad, broken, dysfunctional, constantly changing offensive line of 2017 gave up 31 sacks in 16 games. That is 
tough to wrap your head around. It's almost they couldn't be doing worse if they tried. Part of what is really frustrating when watching this offense is that they're actually not trying to scheme around it. It, it feels like every time someone on the offensive line blows a block, it's a surprise to the Giants. And I think we've we've talked about this before on on the podcast. Well, they're not scheming around this offensive line. There's ways you can either move the pocket. I know with Eli Manning, you're you're not going to want to roll him out too much. Uh, but there are there are route combinations. There are quick types of plays you can run that will counteract the offensive line blowing a block probably almost immediately. So the offensive line was definitely bad against Washington. Anytime you're getting your quarterback hit 10 times, that is not good. But uh, per next-gen stats, the fastest sack of those seven was 3.3 seconds. That's not extraordinarily fast. Some of the, like, the if we look at the J.J. Watt sacks uh, against Houston, those were coming in, like, 2.3 seconds, which is insane. Literally, when you say no quarterback can play like that, no quarterback can play like that when they're getting hit, like, 2.3 seconds. But the fastest sack here was only 3.3 seconds. That shouldn't be enough time to completely derail an offense. Eli had about 2.5 seconds on average to throw. That's a little lower than his normal average, which has been about 2.6. But, like, you can develop plays in that time if everything on the offense is structured correctly. I looked back. So Odell Beckham had that big catch at the end of the first quarter. That was 44 yards. Somehow it took a third and 17 for them to be like, maybe we should throw deep to Odell. So that was 44 yards down the field. Beckham had, we know he had that incredible catch. He was, again, being interfered with. I don't know how he's able to catch so many passes when he's literally being dragged to the ground by a defender. But he can. Maybe the Giants should use that a little more, and maybe he's more open than you think he is when he's covered. But to go back to that, I... I'm, I hand-timed that play, and of course that is not very scientific, uh, it is not official or accurate, but I hand-timed that play, and that was about 2.6 to 2.7 seconds from snap to throw, and that ball went 44 yards in the air to Beckham. So when you're saying it only takes that amount of time to throw a deep pass to Beckham when he's running straight down the field... When your fastest sack is happening at 3.3 seconds, those are not things that should be derailing the offense, but consistently they are because it feels like they are just in complete shock every time the offensive line blows a block, and I really just don't understand it. Yeah, I, part of it is that the offensive line is just not good at maintaining a pocket. Every game, the average pass rush is getting somewhere between half a yard and a full yard closer to Manning than league average. So he is playing with a smaller pocket than most quarterbacks, but there's still time and space to make those throws and they should, they really shouldn't be surprised well, they shouldn't, and it, but it, it just it feels like they are. Yeah. Where they they have, you know, their their playbook, and Shermer's looking at these plays, and everything that's called feels like it needs perfect protection in order for it to work. But that's that's not how the NFL works. That's not how every team, every other team in the league, is not operating with a perfect pocket on every play, and the rest of these teams in the league are accidentally scoring thirty points. Yeah. Uh, and pushing the ball downfield. So I understand the Giants' offensive line is bad. I think it's easily the worst in the league. But that is not a reason for it to completely derail the offense on every play. There are There's ways around it, and I just don't understand why the Giants have not tried to figure those out. I don't understand it either. I, there's the argument you see a lot about Manning's mobility. But we have also we have seen him maybe not be 
particularly graceful, but at least effective playing outside the pocket. Um, the Giants would have given up an eighth sack, but he managed to avoid that. You know, he can do it. Like you said before, it's not something you want to see every snap. You do, Every pass play, you don't want to see him rolling out and running a bootleg. Right, you're not calling sprint outs for Eli Manning. Um, no, but he can do it on occasion. And probably more than it is being called. Yeah, and I, I think there's... When that conversation comes up and, like, the mobility, there is a difference between a mobility in terms of, like, Lamar Jackson and, like, pocket mobility and pocket maneuverability. And Eli is not bad there. Among his skills, they that might have started to decline, like a lot of things would at 37 years old, but, you know, he can still manage a pocket. He, he's not like uh, Mike Lennon or Ryan Mallett, where he might as well have cinder blocks for feet. Yeah, oh man. I remember, uh, the quick tangent, but I, I remember watching Mike Lennon when he was signed to that contract by the Bears, and just like, whew. He literally was a statue, had no pocket presence whatsoever. It was insane. So yeah, the Giants are not dealing with that. But it, it just it just still seems crazy to me how even with such a bad offensive line, and I understand it is very bad, it shouldn't derail that much of the offense. It just it just really shouldn't. There are there are ways around it. There are other bad offensive lines in the league. There's maybe a lot not, of them. Maybe not to the extent of the Giants, but it's so surprising to me how much it just everything falls apart when the offensive line does. I, I think maybe it's something they look at in the bye and, and maybe we see a little bit of different scheming coming out. And I mean, we're probably going to you know, talk about some of the differences. Maybe that's with a different quarterback. We probably can't rule that out coming after a bye, whether that's a change they decide to make at the bye or after with Eli at 37 years old. And oh, whether you think Kyle Walletta is good or not, I think you have to see what he can bring in the second half of the season uh, as you evaluate what your quarterback options are going to be going forward. Agreed. I mean, at, at this point, could anyone really blame Eli Manning for even saying, you know what? I am tired of taking this pounding. I have already taken a full season worth of sacks. In fact, more than his average season worth of sacks. Let the kid take a few hits now. now obviously, you wouldn't be placing Loletta in... In an ideal situation for a rookie quarterback, especially a fourth-round rookie quarterback, their chances of working out already are not super high. Maybe it's just something where it's possible, you know, after the amount of hits Manning has taken over the past couple years behind offensive lines that have not been great, the ability to get around that pressure and maybe even subconsciously the willingness to try to avoid that pressure is is not always there. And I, I think we can look sometimes sometimes sacks and sacks rate, I think are more of a quarterback statistic than a lot of people like to think. So even though the pressure is getting there, some of these sacks do come down to what the quarterback is able to do. And you you wouldn't blame Eli for not being able to react to some of that pressure as well as he used to. So whatever quarterback is going to be uh, taken over after the bye, whether it's still Manning, whether it is Loretta, they are going to have Odell Beckham and maybe finally the Giants have figured out he should be a big part of the game plan. This is now two weeks in a row where Beckham's had a pretty big game and has you know, come through. He had 11 targets, 8 receptions, 136 yards. A bunch of those kind of came in the fourth quarter when 
the game was a little bit out of hand. Uh, but if we go to expected points added, which kind of takes that into account, it does take into account game situation and and what actually is important. I still had 8.81 expected points added, which is 0.8 per target, which is not the over one point he had last week. Uh, but that is still really good. So they are now even though it is kind of late in game sometimes, they're figuring out ways to get Beckham the ball. And that's good. I mean, we joked that it, it did take a third and 17 for them to throw deep to Beckham in the first quarter. But they did go to him a little more, and they're finding that is the way this offense is going to move the ball. Why it took six, seven, eight weeks to figure that out, I'm not sure, but maybe they finally did. One of the weird things with this offensive coaching staff is how long it takes them to figure out things that should be obvious, you know, like use Odell Beckham and let him do Odell Beckham things to defenses. Good things happen for your offense. When you let one of the, we'll just say three best receivers in the NFL play. You don't, have him running five-yard routes all game long. The other one that, you know, they actually might have started to figure out a little bit is letting Saquon Barkley go down the field and find his own open space instead of trying to make 13 men miss every single play. I won't get too carried away there just yet, but he did have three routes he was targeted on that were well past the line of scrimmage. Baby um, steps. You, right. And I, I think three is is way more than we have been able to say in the past. So he had uh, two actual targets that counted that were eight and nine yards past the line of scrimmage. And then late in the game, there was a, a first and 10 from the Giants 14. Uh, they came out empty. Uh, Barkley was out wide to the right. They, again, there was pressure on the play. Eli actually did have to roll out a little bit and and avoid that pressure. Uh, he threw downfield. It was not a very pretty pass. It was a little bit underthrown, but... Uh, Barkley had already gotten down the field and the defender had to recover and the way he chose to recover was running into Barkley and that was a big defensive pass interference call and one of the good things about going deep is you do increase the chances of a pass interference call and something going wrong there defensively so that wasn't a catch for Barkley uh, it was not a deep reception, but it was a positive play. And to the point where it was one of the biggest plays, actually, by expected points and win probability added. It was in my plays that changed the game piece where I look at usually the top, like, 10 plays from that. And right after that, like, two plays later, they had a 32-yard play to Beckham that was uh, 11 yards past the line of scrimmage and then 21 yards after the catch. So you're getting the best of both worlds for Beckham there. So we found good things happen when you throw deep, whether it's actually the catch or, or you're forcing the defense into trouble and doing something poorly, which is always a possibility. So again, maybe we'll, maybe we'll see that more going forward. And through the bye, this should be things this team is looking at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got guys who match up well with just about everybody and give just about everybody problems when they go deep. Let them do that. You know, we, we know it doesn't take that long. You don't have to hold up for five or seven seconds to get the ball 20 yards downfield. No, 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 you don't. The, the Giants kind of act like they do, but that's just not how it works. There, there are ways to get the ball downfield even while the quarterback is under pressure. I think one thing we do have to talk about uh, with this quarterback is another real bad interception in the red zone, which kind of flipped the game from where it was. The, the Giants were only down 7 nothing. They had the ball on the Washington 12 on a 2nd and 11. 
Um, and uh, they ran some play action. They had trips to the left side. Um, so Evan Ingram was inside. Odell Beckham was the slot in, in the trips look. And I guess at the snap, uh, Eli thought there was going to be some man coverage. Uh, he thought as uh, Beckham was going to break in, uh, he was going to have uh, just a just a clean spot to throw. But uh, safety DJ Swearinger, who has been really good this year, we actually didn't talk about him, I think, at all in the preview episode, and we probably should have. Uh, he's actually been really good this year. He let Ingram go and he just kind of charged up and he was there waiting for the pass when it was thrown to Beckham and he was able to intercept it for a red zone interception and that continued the red zone struggles for the Giants Uh, it continued some I think questionable play calling because this was like a two yard dig route to Beckham on a second and 11 inside the red zone. Why that is your go-to play there, I don't know. And it was another thing of Eli thinking he had a read pre-snap, determining that's where he was going to go with the ball, and having it turn out to not be that way post-snap, and him not being able to react to it, and still throwing a bad ball. We saw that against Carolina when Mike Adams did the same thing. He dropped back into coverage when Eli thought there wasn't going to be anyone there and forced a bad interception. Yeah, uh, I do have to give credit to DJ Swearinger. He played that route well. He It looked like he was going to be carrying Engram in man coverage and then came off to double back him for the interception. But he also said after the game that that was all film study they had noticed that that route combination especially against man coverage is a strong tendency with the giants so he knew what was coming so that's something they definitely have to look at are they being too predictable with their tendencies in certain situations and like you said predetermining reads and just going and doing that and expecting the defense to do what you think it should. For me, the worst one was the second interception, which was basically just an arm punt. That was so out there. Like I didn't even have like an analysis for it. It was just like, I, I, I don't know what that was supposed to be. There wasn't, there wasn't a receiver close. That wasn't a good throw. (laughs) Yeah, at least on the the red zone interception, there there was a process there, and you can see what broke down and why and why that was a bad decision. That second interception, I just I have absolutely no idea. Was he trying to throw it away, and the ball just got away from him? I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't know. Just a couple more things about the offense. I, I think we do have to bring up Saquon Barkley again over a hundred yards from scrimmage. Again, didn't really matter all that much. And negative 3.56 expected points added on the ground. 13 carries for 38 yards. That is a problem. And then I think we just have to note Evan Ingram uh, not having a great time since returning from injury. No. Um, He had the bad drop on, on a fourth and three on the Washington 32 to start the fourth quarter. And ball yeah. just went right through his hands. And, and drops were, were a problem with him last year a little bit. But he was kind of getting the volume, not really efficient volume, but he was trying to do enough with what he had to make stuff work. And he's been a little injured this year, so the volume certainly hasn't been there. And and th- th- that drop on fourth down was, was definitely a killer and, and something he has to come up with. It went oh, yeah. Right through his hands. It- he was wide open. Eli put the ball right where it should have been, and it just goes right through his hands. That's that's just a complete face palm. Maybe it's something where you know he's he's trying a little too hard with the time he did miss to injury, and he's trying to make an impact because also when he's on the field, he has not been one of you know the top targeted players. No, um, his, his usage has not been what it should be, which. Fairly although, common theme with this offense. You look at the route nine, chart. He did get nine targets. 
uh, but only five catches for 25 yards. And that was that was one of the problems with him last year is is he was getting this volume and it was on short crossing routes and and by if you look at DVOA, which is Football Outsiders kind of efficiency metric, um, he was among the league worst tight end just because his routes were almost pointless. He was he was getting receptions, but they didn't really mean anything. So that's something we hope to see improve in the second half of the season. And maybe he'll get the bye week, maybe recover from this injury a little bit. Maybe the offense gets reworked a little bit where they can figure out more efficient ways to use him. But yeah, it's just not great all around uh, for yeah. Ingram the past couple weeks. No, not at all. All right. So on that note, I guess now we can we can jump to the defense, which for most of the game was, I think, pretty good kind of until the end. I, I think I have this thought about the the defense and Washington's offense and Washington overall. I'm not sure if Washington is all that good or if the Giants played well, if Washington didn't just Washington in general I'm not sure if they're like a good bad team or a bad good team they're I mean they're they're five and two right now they're leading the NFC East I just I have no idea what to make of them and I think that that really breaks down in the offense I don't know how much the Giants were stopping them or how much they just weren't doing much yeah I mean Alex Smith threw 5.6 5.6 yards per attempt. He had the touchdown, the 63.4 QBR, which, you know, is is fine. That means a quarterback who played like that wins 63.4% of the time. None of the receivers were really all that great. Josh Doxson was the leading receiver with five catches for 49 yards. Jordan Reed had 12 targets, but seven receptions for 38 yards. I mean, there was... Not a lot going on there. Adrian Peterson was, you know, okay until uh, the last drive where he had that the 64-yard touchdown was just beautifully blocked. It um, was. I I looked at that a couple times after the game. They had the center and the right guard who came out to pull, and that took out uh, a linebacker and Landon Collins, and Peterson just had a wide-open lane just to run, and all he had to do was beat Curtis Riley, and the degree of difficulty on beating <laughs> Curtis Riley down the field is not that high. So Peterson did score. So yeah, that, that was basically, that was basically the Washington offense. They kind of crept on. They, Peterson had that receiving touchdown at the start of the game where uh, Nate super probably should have made a tackle, but didn't Peterson had a seven yard touchdown reception. And then there were a lot of, there was a missed field goal, a couple of punts, and then, you know, the second half, two field goals and that touchdown, and, and that was all it was. So I think the defense played well enough to keep the offense in the game. Uh, we talked about how the offense could not take advantage, but yeah, I, I think it was fine. Maybe one of the better defensive performances. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really can't tell if they played well or Washington just is not that good. I think their offense is probably described as just good enough. You know, they can get, they can score just enough points for their defense to carry them to a victory. I suppose is the best way to say. I feel like if the Giants were competent at all on offense, they probably should have won that game. The defense gave them the chances. You know, they had the Landon Collins coming up with that forced fumble. You know, they should have scored on that possession. They kept them from scoring even a field goal on the very first possession. And the defense really didn't play badly, or at least the defensive front didn't play badly. Uh, We should probably talk about the defensive line in the post-snacks era especially Hill and Tomlinson. I thought they played well together. Before the Giants traded Damon Harrison, he and Dalvin Tomlinson basically played the same snaps. They were usually within one or two snaps of each other every game. Now that appears to be Hill and Tomlinson. 
Both played 42 defensive snaps, which was 62%. Um, yeah, I think they were they were pretty good in the middle. BJ Hill was made a pretty early impact. Uh, he was kind of all over. He had, I think, two encroachment penalties, which, you know, whatever. They're five yards. I, I think you'll take them if he is going to jump the snap quickly and be in the backfield. Those are those are not problems. I'm going to have with him. He had a deflected pass too, and six total tackles. So at the, I mean, he's someone that that the Damon Harrison trade is going to open up a spot for. He's probably the only player uh, on this roster where there was a very clear path for him to get more playing time to where a trade made sense. I, I get trading Eli Apple. There's not completely someone to step in to take his role uh, as much as I like Grant Haley who stepped in in the nickel corner role uh, against Washington but BJ Hill has now a clear path to get more playing time and he is someone who the Giants should be excited about getting more playing time Uh, I think he definitely played well uh, against Washington and that's something that's going to be going forward and I think because of that Giants played a little more four-man front with Tomlinson and Hill playing together at defensive tackle. Yeah, they did. And that's something they've been doing quite a bit the last few games. They've been playing a lot of basically a 4-2-5 nickel front. And having Tomlinson and Hill probably gives them a little bit more of a upfield push than Snacks and Tomlinson. Although, of course... Uh, Damon Harrison goes to Detroit and immediately gets a sack. So that's just what happens when Giants go to Detroit. It also meant more snaps for Mario Edwards. That's probably a good thing. You know, he's not a guy we've talked about all that much, but he does have some upside. He's He was a second-round pick for a reason. Yeah, he, he might not be great, but... He does flash, at least. Lorenzo Carter saw a pretty big uptick in the amount he played on defense. And for the most part, I liked what I saw. Yeah, so he played 39 snaps, which was 57%. That was second among the edge rushers. Olivier Vernon played 58 snaps, which was 85%. Uh, So then Carter was 57%. If you look, Kareem Martin only played 26%. So yeah, definitely a clear shift there of Carter going uh, into that second edge roll, it looks like. And Carter had one quarterback hit. This was a pass rush that didn't totally show up consistently. Only five quarterback hits. Not a lot of pressure. Uh, Alex Smith was kind of able to, I don't say do whatever he wanted to because it's the Alex Smith, and he doesn't exactly do what he <laughs> wants to do when when he can. But again, he he wasn't totally pressured to to be forced to do anything terrible. So Carter had the one quarterback hit. Curtis Riley had another one, and then the other three came from Olivier Vernon. So again, the pass rush pretty much coming from the one guy you expect the pass rush to come from. Yeah, and the one guy you need the pass rush to come from at least just looking at contracts you know he will come back to this in a probably a couple minutes but you need vernon to justify his contract and he does that by pressuring and hitting and sacking quarterbacks he's a good run defender but you don't pay run defenders that much just like the giants showed by trading damon harrison Kerry Wynn had a good game again. Yeah, he's can't say he's the Giants' secret weapon, but he has definitely moved into that uh, Dave Tollison role. I like to think of it as you know the first guy off the bench who comes in and he just plays his ass off and shows up. Yeah, he he has been playing playing well in the role he's supposed to play um that's good i mean when you're when you're looking at the depth the giants have it's not great so having someone who can just step in in a role like that he played 
43% of the defensive snaps. Having someone you can count on like that uh, is is good. The Giants need more of those players. When we look at what some of the other kind of defensive depth that's now got pushed up. So B.W. Webb was on the outside a lot, played 99% of the snaps, which is 67. He only missed one snap. You know, he was all right on the outside. Again, there wasn't a lot of threat from the receivers and the passing game in general. You know, Grant Haley, I I think, played pretty well for it being his first career start. I think there's improvement that's going to come there. Maybe his day would not have been quite as good if he was matching up against Jamison Crowder uh, in the slot all day, but he was out. So, I mean, there's there's pieces to maybe like on this defense and pieces that might continue to improve uh, as the season gets into the second half. Yeah, that it's good to see Grant Haley out there. Uh, he does have upside it's just one of those things where he he pro- he should have been drafted but it was it's good to have him on the team but it it does kind of suck that to see him on the field it means you have to have webb on the field for all of the snaps defense did well enough that it showed some pieces to give hope for if not this year then maybe going into next year if they can build it and maybe not get rid of too many of them yeah and i think that's where we can take this now i think we'll we'll wrap up the recapping the game there so the trade deadline is tuesday at 4 p.m uh we've already talked about some of the trades the giants have made eli apple gone Damon Harrison gone. Uh, there's still some names that are being floated around. So before the trade deadline, we're going to talk about a couple of the names that have popped up and whether they make sense to trade or not. And I think the first name we'll talk about, I think briefly because this doesn't make any sense to me from literally any area, any way you come at this, from the Giants' point of view, from any other team in the league's point of view, uh, is the trade rumors of Eli Manning. Uh, it's it's not going to happen. And not only does he have uh, no trade clause uh, and quite a hefty salary, who is trading for Eli Manning right now? What quarterback situation is he upgrading? Realistically, not any. Maybe if Blake Bortles or Ryan Tannehill get hurt sometime between now and tomorrow, that would be an option. But Eli said he's not, he doesn't want to go anywhere, so he's not going to go anywhere. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not happening. So we can move on. <laughs> stop talking about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been a huge thing for like two weeks and I just, I don't know why it makes sense for literally no one involved. Okay. Uh, the next one we can go to probably someone else who is not getting traded is Olivier Vernon, uh, another big contract. And we've seen what the giants pass rush looks like without him. Uh, and it doesn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does. There is no pass rush without him. We just talked about there were five quarterback hits in this game. Three of them were by Vernon. So he is someone I, I think you you need to keep on the team. I, I think he's probably still on the team next year as as someone who is going to anchor that pass rush because you really you need that on the defense. Agreed. Yeah. And he's still in the prime of his career. He's what, 27, 28. His, he has a big contract, but it's not prohibitively big. And he's a good, well-rounded player. You know, maybe if they are able to get like a Nick Bosa in the draft, that could make Vernon expendable eventually. But at least for the foreseeable future right now, they should not move Vernon. Because <laughs> they don't have anyone to replace him, and they need that piece if they're going to be building for the future. In the same vein here, Odell Beckham, not going anywhere. I said yesterday, 
the Giants would be crazy to trade him. Again, that doesn't make any sense from, a, you know, even the cap standpoint where he just signed the contract, all of that signing bonus would accelerate onto the Giants cap. That would be a lot of money. And also, Odell Beckham is very good. Whether you have Walletta starting in the second half or you're starting with a rookie quarterback next year or, uh, Two or years a transitional from now. quarterback next year, having Odell Beckham is a good thing for whatever quarterback is going to be there. It's going to make his job easier. Oh, we talk about how our, it's been said how maybe a running back does that, but no. Having a wide receiver like Odell Beckham makes it much easier for a quarterback. Uh, he is one of the best players in the game. He is still young. You are keeping him on the roster. That's why you signed him to begin with. Yes. And yes, Beckham does need to get the ball from the quarterback to have an impact but as we've seen from Saquon Barkley who is already one of the very best running backs in the NFL he needs an offensive line to have anything like a consistent impact so just keep one of the two or three best players at his position in the league and one of the two or three best players in franchise history just stop with the talk crazy talk Move on. No, I think one person who probably is the most likely to be traded is Janoris Jenkins. He's a guy who has not been great this year, was also not great last year, was very good in 2016, his first year with the Giants. He's another guy who has quite a big contract, but it is movable. Getting him off the books would probably help the Giants in 2019. So he is someone I I could see traded before the deadline if that is something that happens. Yeah, I do give, give him something of a pass for his play last year. He We didn't find this out until I think either the end of the season or after the season ended that he and Landon Collins both were playing on sprained ankles all season long. So that it's tough to play de- defensive back with one good foot. But this year he hasn't played as well as the Giants really need him to play. I'm not sure how much of that is on him. You know, he he does have a habit of giving up at one big play a game, which it's kind of what you expect from him considering how often he likes to try to jump routes and make a play especially when an op- the offense sucks. That's why he, why the Rams let him go. He tried to do too much to compensate for their bad offense. So I'm with you. I could see it. I'm, my only concern would be what do you replace him with going forward? Do you have that much faith in Tony LePet, who you haven't seen play and is coming off an Achilles? Because even if you put Sam Beal in as one starter, you need another one. Especially for the style of defense James Fetcher wants to play. Right, and that's when you're considering you know, 2019. For 2018, you got to really wonder oh, what's going on. And if, if LePad will be ready to go after the bye, you'd still have BW Webb on the outside. Uh, maybe Grant Haley can play on the outside because he did do that uh, in in college. You could maybe have you know Sean Chandler play more slot corner. Uh, like they said, they were going to work him in. So yeah, it definitely trading Jenkins for the rest of this season makes sense. I think for the future of the Giants, it definitely would not give them a coveted secondary for the rest of this season. But it's it's probably the most likely deal to be made, I think the Steelers have been the rumored place. So I, I think there may be some other teams that have reached out. And so so we'll see if, if there's someone who has moved. It's probably going to be Jenkins. Um, and, and that'll bring us to, I, I think, the last guy we'll talk about. And maybe it's more of an interesting conversation than you would think. But that's Landon Collins, who is apparently... I mean, probably unsurprisingly, teams are calling the Giants about Collins. He is very good. He is young. He is on the last year of his rookie deal. So he can be franchised next year, and that's only going to be like 
around $12 million, uh, which uh, is not going to be bad for someone of Collins' caliber. But I don't think you trade him, regardless of how you know, you're know you rebuilding or, or whatever, and you're trying to get you know draft picks. At some point, you are going to need very good young players to build around. And if Landon Collins isn't one of those, and I then I don't understand what you're trying to build. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would like to see Fetcher use Collins maybe a bit more like Spags did, especially in 2016, let him play that almost uh, Troy Palomalu type role where he is just roaming around the tackle box and just causing havoc. You know, let him blitz because he is a really good blitzer. He isn't, for a defensive back, he isn't all that great at moving in space. He he can do it. He's been a pretty big reason why the Giants haven't been destroyed by receiving backs this year. But his burst downhill into the backfield is good. So if they can scheme him some free runs or maybe get him matched up on a running back in pass protection that's generally a win for the defense so i'd like to see that but i'd like to see them keep him and i think they should also keep sterling shepherd who's another guy who we're not really hearing too much about but he is one of the better young receivers in the nfl even though he he is doing it in odell beckham's shadow it's possible teams could be calling about him and the Giants might not want to give him a number two receiver contract, but he's another guy who should be part of the future, not scrapped for a day three pick that will probably just net a special teams player. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's someone that doesn't make sense to... <laughs> trade at all so his contract is up after 2019 he's only going to have a 1.9 million dollar cap hit next year he's only going to be 25 yeah he's definitely someone you should keep around at least for 2019 see what that offense is built around his cap hit is not going to be a detriment to whatever you're trying to build at that uh, he's also going to be He's a good player who can play on the outside, can play in the slot. That's part of what you want, whatever your quarterback situation is going to be next season. That is definitely a player on a cheap contract you want to keep around. So it would make no sense to me to trade him this year. Uh, And then you can make a decision on him after 2019 of whether paying him a little more would would fit into what is currently being built. But right now, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense to move on from him. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't even be upset to see them extend him after this season because they could probably wind up saving themselves some money over the long term. And he might not be a core player, but he's a really good complement to Beckham and Barkley. Yeah, and I think that's something we should all uh, keep in mind as we go into the trade deadline on Tuesday. Making trades just to make trades doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't rebuild through fourth and fifth round picks, and when you have young players like Landon Collins and Sterling Shepard, that's what you are hoping these draft picks turn into. So just making trades because you're trying to tear everything down, there's, there's a limit to that. Uh, And you want to keep your good players who have a chance to be on the team when this team is good again. You want to keep those players around. Uh, You can make the case that Eli Apple was not going to be. You can make the case that Damon Harrison was not going to be. You can make the case that Sterling Shepard and Landon Collins and absolutely Odell Beckham are going to be around when this team is good again. So those are the types of players you want to hold on to. Yeah, they will play a role in this team being good again. Assuming Dave Gettleman makes other smart decisions to fill in the pieces around them. 
oh no, now I'm reconsidering all of this. <laughs> yeah. Th there is the other side of the equation and that maybe the Giants could take some of those late round picks that they have acquired for Snacks and Eli Apple and and maybe flip those for other players that are being devalued by their teams. You know, we've talked about Son Reddick or Dayon Buchanan. Those guys would be, they're still young. They've got familiarity with the defense and the defensive coordinator. They were drafted for this defense. If they could do that, those would be smart moves that would build for the future and probably have a hell of a lot higher payoff than whatever they're going to get on day three of the 2019 draft. I've written about this. Uh, trading like mid to late round picks for current veteran players is is absolutely the biggest market inefficiency in the NFL right now. Um, whether that is something this front office is willing to take advantage of, man, who knows? But but we'll see. So trade deadline is Tuesday. We'll you know we just have to right now wait and see what happens. Maybe this team looks a lot different after that. Maybe it doesn't as as it goes into the bye. So we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Uh, please rate and review if you have not. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, we will be back uh, we're not totally sure uh, completely this week. We're going to get some guests in and, and we'll, we'll talk about some different things during the bye because we'll just have some new things to talk about. We'll let you know uh, when those are going to happen. So thank you guys for hanging out and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.